Welcome to Hacking Your ADHD, part of the ADHD Rewired Podcast Network. I'm your host, William Kerb, and I have ADHD. On this podcast, I dig into the tools, tactics, and best practices to help you work with your ADHD brain. One of the questions that I've been getting a bit more frequently recently is just trying to understand where to get started with ADHD. And I think this is a question that a lot of us have, because there is just so much out there on ADHD, and it's hard to know where to even begin thinking about what we might want to be doing. In today's episode, we're going to be exploring this idea by first looking at some of the areas that ADHD entails, and how that knowledge can boost your ability to manage your ADHD. We'll also be taking a look at the Wall of Awful and how that can really impact our ability to activate on tasks. If you'd like to follow along on the show notes page, you can find that at hackingyouradhd.com slash getting started. All right, keep on listening so we can get started on getting started with how to get started with ADHD, starting now? All right. Let's get ready for a history lesson. I think the easiest place we can start with ADHD is really jumping into the basics of the disorder, and I think that will also help explain why it's so hard to figure out where to start when we're treating our own ADHD. One of the first questions that people often have is, how is ADHD different from ADD? This is a totally valid question to have, and there's a lot of confusion around the terms. ADD became a diagnosis in the third edition of the DSM. That's the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders, which is a tool used to help diagnose various mental illnesses. And honestly, it's more for insurance purposes, but it's also one of the best diagnostic tools that we have. Anyway, so in 1980, the DSM-3 changed hyperkinetic reaction of childhood to Attention Deficit Disorder, or ADD. The disorder came with two subtypes, ADD with hyperactivity and ADD without hyperactivity. Then, Only seven years later, the DSM-3 was revised, and in that revision, ADD was changed into ADHD, and finally, in 2000, the DSM-4 added the three subtypes that we currently use, inattentive, hyperactive, impulsive, and combined type. And now in the DSM-5, the term subtype has been replaced with presentation to show how ADHD can change over time. Alright, now with that out of the way, the question is, well, who cares? Well, we can take that with us as we look at what defines ADHD. It helps give us a better background to understand the condition. So, with that, we know that there are three presentations of ADHD. Inattentive, hyperactive, impulsive, and combined. But we also want to look at understanding what those presentations actually mean. And this is important because too often we think we know what something is without actually understanding it. This is known as the illusion of explanatory depth. It's something that I find myself frequently running into while writing for this podcast. While I have a decent understanding of something, when I go to write out the finer details, I can find myself lacking a true explanation. All of this to say that it is normal for us to believe that we have a deeper understanding of a topic than we actually do. It took me nearly a decade after my diagnosis to really look into what was going on, to actually understand how my symptoms were affecting my life. So let's take a deeper look into these presentations. For a diagnosis with either presentation, you'll need to have five or more of the symptoms in that presentation. For an attentive, they're looking for often fails to give close attention to detail or makes careless mistake in school or with other activities, often has trouble holding attention on tasks or play activities, 
often does not listen when spoken to directly, often does not follow through on instructions and fails to finish schoolwork chores or duties in the workplace, often has trouble organizing tasks or activities, often avoids, dislikes, or is reluctant to do tasks that require mental effort over a long period of time, often loses things necessary for tasks and activities, is often easily distracted, and is often forgetful in daily activities. So they'd be looking for five symptoms in that category. And then for the hyperactive impulsive presentation, they'd be looking for symptoms from the list of often fidgets with or taps hands or feet or squirms in seat, often leaves seat in situations where remaining seated is expected, often runs about to climb in situations where it's not appropriate, or in adolescents or adults may be limited to feeling restless, often unable to play or take part in leisure activities quietly, is often on the go or acting as if driven by a motor, often talks excessively, often blurts out an answer before a question has been completed, often has trouble waiting their turn, often interrupts or intrudes on others, often interrupts or intrudes on others. And then a combined presentation is when there's enough symptoms in both categories. Otherwise, you'll just have a predominantly inattentive presentation or a predominantly hyperactive presentation. And just as a note, I was listing those as characteristics for adults. For those under 16 years of age, you'll need to present six or more symptoms. Now, I started with that because I think that when we're asking the question, where should I get started with my ADHD management? We really have to understand that ADHD is a spectrum disorder. There are a lot of symptoms, and we're not going to necessarily have all of those symptoms listed above. In fact, we probably won't. So where we get started is going to largely be an issue of identifying where our problems are manifesting. And this is also because of how our ADHD affects us isn't limited to just those symptoms above as well. For example, one area a lot of people with ADHD struggle is emotional regulation, and yet that isn't really up there in the diagnostic criteria. So, one of our big first steps is simply educating ourselves about ADHD. This is a vital step because it's absolutely going to help us identify where we're having those issues with our ADHD. What this is about here is acceptance of our ADHD. This was advice that I had frequently heard about managing my ADHD but it took a good long time for it to actually sink in because I felt like I had accepted my ADHD. I was doing things to try and help myself. And yeah, there were ways that I had absolutely accepted my ADHD, but in many regards, I really didn't. This is why we need to educate ourselves on what ADHD is, because it's so easy to believe that I'm just a bad person instead of accepting that, well, maybe I didn't do that thing because of my ADHD. So. We really need to sit with this idea and think about it and not skip over it. Without accepting our ADHD, we cannot properly identify the problems we're trying to fix, and then we're not going to get anywhere with the solutions that we come up with. When we're trying to solve a problem, one of the easiest steps to rush past is clearly identifying what the problem is. We need to not mistake noticing a problem for identifying what the problem is. The issue often arises from us identifying the symptoms of a problem and then thinking of that as the problem itself. For example, if I'm late all the time, it's easy for me to go, well, the problem is that I'm being late, so the solution must be that I just need more time, that I don't have enough time, or that I just need to focus on getting out the door on time. 
or that I just need to focus on not being late. And that's not really a solution. There might be a solution in there and needing more time, but I know that getting out the door for me is usually about much more than just having enough time. For me, it's often realizing that about five minutes before I need to leave, that I haven't gotten anything ready to go, and so I need to rush about trying to do things. So getting up earlier won't fix that issue. What would fix the issue is finding ways for me to get my stuff together earlier so I can leave on time when I've realized that I only have five minutes to go till I leave. And this is just about trying to figure out where our problems lay in the spectrum of what's going on with our ADHD. And so we have to know how our ADHD is affecting us, where it's creating those sticking points. But more than anything, it's about accepting that ADHD is creating these issues for us. And so we're going to need to find solutions that are going to work with our ADHD. And let's slow down here and really get into this, because I know this is one place that I slip up way too often with my own ADHD management. I'll fall back into the thoughts of, well, I'm just trying hard enough. I need to just sit down and buckle in and just do it. That the issue is that I didn't put in enough effort. That I was just a willful ally in my own demise and not finishing that project. And this is exactly what executive dysfunction feels like. While it doesn't really feel like a choice in the moment, it absolutely feels like a choice in retrospect. And so when we're trying to look back and figure out how to fix those issues, it does seem like it would have worked out had I just buckled down and done the thing. But again, executive dysfunction kept me from doing it. The issue isn't willpower or motivation or a drive to get something done. It has to do with how my executive function is keeping me from doing the issue. And so if I'm going to be solving for issues with my executive function, well, then that's a very different solution than just trying to buckle down and try harder. And for more, you can go check out my episode on executive function, episode 106, aptly named Executive Function. I'll be sure to link in the show notes. I also want to talk about an idea that keeps coming up for me over and over again when I'm dealing with ADHD management, and that's the wall of awful. This is an idea that comes from Brendan Mahan of the ADHD Essentials podcast. The basic premise is that when we have a simple task, like doing the dishes, and that task feels really difficult to do, it's because not only are we dealing with the task, we're also dealing with our own wall of awful, which is an emotional barrier to doing the task. Our walls of awful are built through a bunch of different bricks that are attached to our emotions. So we can have things like failure bricks, disappointment bricks, rejection bricks, and shame bricks. And all these bricks create a wall between us and doing the task. The wall of awful is the emotional impact of repeated failure, and it makes activating on tasks even more difficult. It's also important to know that the bricks don't actually have to reflect reality. Take perfectionism. We can get failure bricks when we have a perceived failure, even if what we did was perfectly fine. Or say if you just feel like you've disappointed someone. This is because it's an emotional barrier. It doesn't really care about reality. Fortunately, there are things we can do to get past our wall of awful. According to Brendan, there are five ways we can try and get past the wall, but two don't work and one works but is damaging to our relationships. So the first way that doesn't work is just staring at it. We see the problem and we just don't do anything. We can also try and go around the wall, but it's a metaphor so it's infinitely long. And this is us just trying to avoid our task and hoping it'll go away. Neither of these solutions actually gets us through doing the task, but they can lead us to a solution that does, which is Hulk smashing our way through the wall. And this can happen in two ways. One way is someone will nag us about doing the thing and will lash out, 
going, yeah, I'll do the stupid dishes and we do it and we're mad and it's damaging to that relationship. Or we can smash inwards and beat ourselves up until we get on with it. Either way, the Hulk smash will either damage our relationship with someone else or it'll damage our relationship with ourselves. And just as a quick note here, this is our threat response of fight, flight, or freeze. And we said there were five methods of getting past a wall, so we have two more, and fortunately, these are the methods that work and are healthy for us. Our first method is to put a door in the wall, and this is about changing our emotional state. One of the easiest mistakes to make when we have something we want to do is waiting for the motivation to do the thing. But often, motivation isn't what drives us to start, something that happens along the way as we're doing the thing. So to help facilitate ourselves into doing the thing, we can work on changing our emotional state. This is something I'll frequently use to get myself ready to do some work. Before I sit down to do anything, I find it incredibly helpful to take a walk a lot of the time. That movement fills me with endorphins, and when I get back from my walk, I'm ready to start doing something. You can also do this with something like listening to a song to get you pumped up, or having a quick snack. We're just getting ourselves amped up and in the right mood to do the thing that we need to do. Now, it's also important to realize that putting a door in the wall can be very similar to trying to go in around the wall, because we're doing something else in the task that we actually want to do. The key here is that instead of just trying to ignore the task that we're hoping that it'll go away, is that we're actively trying to get ourselves ready to do the task. If we find that we're really just procrastinating, then we need to look at maybe a different way to amp ourselves up or just work on a different solution. And putting a door in the wall is a short-term solution, and it won't always help get you past that wall in the future. We're not always going to have all those options to help get us amped up to do the thing. So our other option is to try and climb the wall. And what this means is that we're sitting with that emotion that built up the wall and understanding what's stopping us. It's about figuring out what's at the core of our emotional block that we've got. And it's also about building handholds into our wall. And that's just creating ADHD-friendly strategies to help us get started. This can look like working on our time wisdom and figuring out how long something actually takes to do. One thing that I often get stuck on is the idea that something's going to take forever to do. So I don't want to start the dishes because, well, I just don't have the time right now. But I can use a timer and track how long it actually takes me to unload or fill up the dishwasher. Then I have a much better understanding of what my time commitment is actually going to take. This can also come from creating clearer pictures about what you want to complete. Sometimes we fill our to-do list with vague items that are hard to activate on. If we can really break down and define those first steps, it can make the whole process a lot easier. Now, this was just a really quick primer on the wall awful. If you want to hear more about it, go check out Brendan's podcast, ADHD Essentials, or I also did an episode with Brendan on the wall of awful way back at episode 40. All right, so I hope that helps people get started on how to do their ADHD management. But I've also realized that I've just scratched the surface of this question. So I'm going to be back next week with a part two that focuses more on things like coaching, medication, and accountability that can help us get started on our ADHD journeys. Thanks for sticking with me all the way to the end. Before you go, though, let's do a quick rundown of today's top tips. One, ADHD is a spectrum disorder, meaning that you're going to have a variety of symptoms to a varying degree. Your ADHD is unique to you, and how you treat your ADHD is going to be a matter of figuring out which symptoms are affecting you the most. Two, one of the hardest parts of ADHD is getting past our internalized messaging around who we are. If we haven't taken the time to work on accepting how our ADHD affects us, 
then it's easy for us to label ourselves as lazy or just not willing to put in the work instead of accepting how our ADHD can hold us back. 3. The wall of awful is the emotional impact of repeated failure and it makes activating on tasks even more difficult. There are five ways people can try and get past the wall of awful. Two of those don't work, one works but is damaging to our relationships, and then two that works. The two that don't work are staring at it or trying to go around it. The one that works but is damaging is trying to Hulk smash through the wall. And the two that work and that we want to focus on are climbing the wall and trying to put a door in the wall. That's it. Thanks for listening. I'd love to hear what you thought of this episode. You can leave me a message over at hackingyouradhd.com contact. You can also reach me on Twitter at hackingyouradhd. And I've also just launched a TikTok channel that you can find by searching for Hacking Your ADHD. If you'd like links or to read this episode's transcript, you can find those on the show notes page at hackingyouradhd.com. If you'd like to support the podcast, the best way is to share episodes with someone you think would get something out of it. Just click the share button on your podcast player and send your bestie the link with something like, hey, I love this episode of Hacking Your ADHD. I'd bet you'd get a lot out of it too. Or you can support the show through my Patreon at hackingyouradhd.com slash Patreon. Sign up for the 2 5 10 25 or even $50 a month level and get some great perks like monthly bonus content or early access to upcoming episodes. That's hackingyouradhd.com slash Patreon. And be sure to check out all the other podcasts on the ADHD Rewired Podcast Network. For interviews with fellow ADHDers and ADHD experts, check out Eric Tiver's show, ADHD Rewired. For those of you with kids, be sure to check out Brendan Mahan's show, ADHD Essentials. And even if you don't have kids, his show is still a great resource for ADHD management. If you're interested in exploring issues of race and diversity in ADHD, be sure to check out ADHD Diversified with MJ. I also do a live Q&A with all the hosts of the ADHD Rewired Podcast Network on the second Tuesday of the month at 10.30 a.m. Pacific. If you'd like to sign up, just go to ADHDRewired.com slash events. And now for your moment of dad. I've been working on a new book on how to fall down the stairs. It's a step-by-step guide.